Hey, thanks for joining us, everyone. This is Matt Parra and my good friend... Robbie Morgan. Robbie Morgan. We're here <laughs> with the All Things Evangelism podcast. Our topic today is how to give a Bible study. Very practical uh, topic of discussion. And uh, Robbie is, for those of you guys who don't know him, he's a church planter and a minister of the gospel who works here in North New South Wales. He has uh, formerly taught uh, outdoor recreation at Avondale College. Mm. He was part of that teaching staff yep. and came to the Arise program in 2016 after a breakup with his lovely girlfriend, <laughs> Katie Waite. He was kind of a depressed, sad musician kind of a guy at that time. And uh, <laughs> is that right? Yeah, not, not too far off the truth. <laughs> yeah, it was good. And you just kind of wanted to get your heart and your right, life right. Yeah. And said, I'm coming to yeah. arise. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and, pretty uh, much. I just wanted to I just wanted to revitalize my faith. Yeah. And and God did. He did. Yeah. Through that kind of experience. And yeah, hallelujah. And because you made the right decision and came to the Arise program, <laughs> God brought back your sweetheart girl, Katie Waite, and now she's Katie Morgan. Yeah. Amen. So here's the thing. Now, you don't, to don't expect Arise, that to be you the, the Arise case of you. Training program, <laughs> you know, because you've done the right thing, <laughs> Jesus might give you a beautiful wife. Emphasis on might. That's right. Emphasis on might. <laughs> yes, yeah. That's true. Hey, if, if Jesus didn't like people following him for bread, he probably wouldn't approve of people following him for a wife. Yeah, it may not be the right motivation. No. God is merciful, though. Yeah, that's right. He's you never know. Man. You that's never know. Good. So I'm super, I'm super psyched because we get to chat about how to give a Bible study. I've done lots of Bible work and evangelistic outreach in my uh, 20 years yep. as a Jesus follower, and you've done a good amount too. Mm. Um, you'll share lots of studies now, and you've done Bible work and spent a lot of time in um, sharing Scripture. So maybe to kick our conversation off, because this is a free-flowing conversation. We're not scripted, and we're not giving a class necessarily, but to kick our conversation off, I'd like to ask you what you think, Robbie, is the main intent of sharing Scripture? Like, what's the like, what's the ultimate purpose of any Bible study, if there is one? Because there's different ways you can share Scripture. You can give doctrinal Bible studies to people. You could give uh, just like a, a study of a book mm. to, to people. Or maybe you could give like practical godliness Bible studies to someone, like discipleship-style studies where you're teaching them the disciplines of the Christian faith and prayer and confession and all that stuff. So what's the ultimate goal or point of sharing Scripture with someone else? Mm. I, think, I think the ultimate goal of doing a Bible study is always to bring people to a point of revealing Jesus and surrendering to Jesus. Mm -hmm. like I, yeah. I think it's plain and simple. So that's it. Um, everything that you're learning about in scripture, whether it be, you know, whatever the topic might be, like you mentioned, it might be a doctrinal study on what happens when you die. Well, that's connected like the spoke of a wheel to the hub of all that matters, and the hub is Jesus. Hmm. And so everything that we're learning from scripture, you know, might be a spoke on the wheel that connects to Jesus. Hmm. And I think it's important to keep that. I wish I could show you that it's, you know, if, if faith is a wheel, like a bicycle wheel, yes. Jesus is the hub, and all the truths that the Bible teaches, practical, theological, etc., those are all spokes on the wheel. Mm -hmm. And they're all good and important and wonderful things. And the more of them that you have connected to the hub, 
and connected to the outside of the wheel, the smoother the journey can be. Yeah. And if some of your spokes are missing, you're gonna have a bumpier ride. But guess what? If the hub is missing, if they're not connected to Jesus, you don't have a wheel. <laughs> and you're not going anywhere. <laughs> so Absolutely. all of these things I think are rooted in how do these things connect to Jesus so that we can be surrendered to him because he's our savior, he's our leader, he's our teacher, he's our Lord. Yeah. John 5.39, right? You search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. So the holy word of God, according to Jesus, the Bible, according to Jesus, is a testimony of himself. And he was talking to people at that time who were rejecting him as Messiah, mm. as Savior. And he's saying, hey, you, you people study so diligently these Old Testament texts that are testifying of me. Yeah. You think that you just you have eternal life just because that information that you're gleaning from the laws of God, mm. but all of those laws and all of those systems of worship, they're pointing to me mm. because I'm the Savior, I'm the Lord, I'm the Redeemer, I'm the one who is going to be crucified and buried and resurrected for your eternal salvation and you need to place your confidence and faith and trust in me. Mm. And all the scriptures are pointing to me. Mm. And so the end of all studies, the goal of all studies is to bring people to repentance in Jesus' name. Fully. To show them the Christ and uh, to help them to find, find him there and really themselves in mm. Christ, you know. Totally. Um, so yeah, man, there's so much I was like my mind now, as soon as we start this ball rolling, it's like, okay, yeah, we can talk about, <laughs> we can talk about this now and how the scripture brings like conviction of sin, you know, mm. like seeing the light exposes your darkness and mm. the Holy Spirit inspired the word. So if people put the word in their mind, then there's like keys of a piano that are like now built into someone's mind that the Holy Spirit can press on, you know, and, mm. and speak to people through. And yeah. yeah, there's so much value in giving scripture, but ultimately the goal the goal is bringing people to Christ. Fully. Yeah. Fully. Not, not bringing people to concepts or ideas, but bringing people to the person of Jesus Christ. Mm. Fantastic. Cool. So how many Bible studies do you think you've given? If you were to say, I've given this many Bible studies in my life. Oh, dude, I have no idea. Really? Not as many as you. Uh, well, I don't know. I probably have. I've been sitting in an office for the last few years. I still give Bible studies, but it's not well, the same. I, I mean, in, in my Bible working experience, I'm giving Bible studies every week usually. Um, yes. I don't think I'm the best Bible worker in the world, but I don't know. I've been doing that for four years, but that's not the first time I've given a Bible study. Like I was involved in a local church as yeah. a youth leader. And so I was leading out in Bible, like I've been leading Bible studies at, at some level, at least occasionally for the last 15 years. Mm. Um, and I've been preaching, which really is essentially giving a Bible study, at least the way that I typically do it. Mm. And I've been doing that a lot in the last 10 years. So, so a lot. <laughs> so of all of the magnificent experience that you have amassed as a dispenser of God's truth through his word and as someone who shares scripture, but seriously, in all seriousness, yeah. what are some, in your opinion, what are some key components of a good Bible study? Okay, the, the first thing, and, and this might sound cliche and it might go without saying, but I think that the foundation upon which all of your, all of your giving of a Bible study must be based upon is personal study and personal prayer, mm -hmm. right? So the, the key, like, like if, you want to, if you want to see someone's life transformed by encountering Jesus in Scripture, you need to pray for you and for them. 
And I think that presupposes everything else we're about to talk about. And if you miss any, like if you don't take anything else out of this podcast, take that away. If you're not earnestly praying for this other person, you're not in the right space to be giving this Bible study. Mm-hmm. And I'm convicted when I say that because I don't pray enough. Yeah. But I think that's crucial. And I think the second thing that presupposes this is you can, you can prepare for giving a Bible study, but the, the more important thing than even that, and that's, I think it's crucial as well, is that you actually study the Bible yourself for yourself. Right, right. Because the number of times where I've been giving a Bible study and God goes, hey, here's the answer to that, that difficult question they've just thrown out at you, and you just read it this week in your personal Bible study time because you're a follower of Jesus and you read the Bible and you try and do that every day even though it doesn't always feel good because relationships aren't just about feeling good. Those things come up. And when you're praying and when you're studying the Bible, you will be amazed at what God brings to your mind. Like you said, those piano keys that the Holy Spirit will play and say, play that note right now, Robbie. Play that note. This is the time for that note to be given to that person. And boom, all of a sudden, there's the answer to the question. You're like, oh, I didn't even anticipate talking about that today. So that's, I think that presupposes everything else that I would say makes up a good Bible study. But I think those are probably the two most valuable things. Yeah, like, you could almost call it personal preparation and prayer. That's right. Like you prepare yourself to deliver scripture by having a powerful relationship with God through it. That's right. You can have the most profound argument in the world, but if they're not convinced that you believe it and you live it, you're, you're a duck in the water, dude. Like doesn't have much force. Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. I love what you say, too, that God could call to mind mm. insights that he's given you personally as you've journeyed with him mm. in your day-to-day life. And I really feel like that's impressive to people. Mm. I met this girl. It, it, we were, it was when I first gave my life to Christ. And I was traveling around the U.S. as an itinerant vagabond preacher. And I was, I was visiting the Black Hills of South Dakota, just traveling through the country. And I stopped there to visit some friends. And we, we went to, to Mount Rushmore or one of the national, I think it was a national park, either near or, or around there, or it was there. And uh, Mount Rushmore, for those of you guys who don't know, it's like, Robbie and I know because we're Americans, but it's like <laughs> the place where the presidents are carved. Into the mountainside. Into the mountainside. And into the granite. And it's really awesome. <clears throat> So I met this girl there. She's kind of a new age girl who doesn't really have any faith or belief system or anything. Anyways, mm. she and I struck up a conversation just while walking down a hiking trail. And a friend of mine was like, man, she really likes you. I can tell she's interested in you. And he was a new convert to Christianity. And he, I don't think he had really settled in his mind that you don't go like just pick up random girls from... <laughs> You know, national parks. Yeah. And so, but, you know, anyways, she and I exchanged numbers. We decided we would talk and whatever, but not like I wasn't hitting on her or being romantic. I was like, oh, this is a great chance to witness. And I was fully open, like, yeah, I'm a missionary. I'm serving Jesus. I gave my life to God a year ago, that kind of stuff. So anyways, I remember just hanging out with her once or twice and like sharing faith, sharing scripture. And she worked at a Jesuit outpost like that worked for Native American Indians and that particular region of the country. Anyways, she she called me one day and she was like, look, I just got to tell you some things about like our interactions and our conversations. I have never met anyone who professes Christianity who can so readily pull scripture out of their mind and then explain how that practically relates to life 
and to experience. Mm. And she said, I don't know if I believe that you have a connection with God. She says, but this is the closest I've come to ever considering it. Mm. Because I've never, she says, I've never seen anyone who has like a day-to-day experience with what they believe. Mm. And she said, you actually learn what you believe. You know what you believe. And I, I, that was amazing, you know. And mm. at the time, I didn't know hardly anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I, uh, how many devotional days do you have in one year of conversion, right? Like there's yeah. only so much I knew from scripture, but I was living what I knew and studying and memorizing and mm. becoming acquainted. Anyways, that's a long story, but I, what you're saying, it like expands upon that. Hey, mm. It's powerful. So, man. Did you want to answer what else more? Do you have? Or what, like... do you, what else do you have? To, <laughs> okay. I want you to say whatever you want to say. <laughs> you're like waiting for me. I know, I know you. You're like, I'm like oh, you're so polite. <laughs> For those of you guys who aren't here with us, because none of you are, Rob is like looking at me like, okay, can I say this now? <laughs> say whatever you want. I forgot to tell you before the podcast, you can do whatever you want. You're totally free. Oh man, but yeah, I think I think that that preparation stuff is is crucial. And then you actually need to prepare for the Bible study, right? Like, yep. prepare for this specific study because you know there's. Well, I don't. The prior preparation prevents something poor performance. Is is oh it's yeah? Not the, it's, I've heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> not maybe not the most kosher thing to say, so yeah. I won't say it. But but prior preparation prevents poor performance, right? And if you know you're going to going to be studying something with someone, it's wise to actually study it beforehand. Yeah. And I think that you should know your topic. Like if you're doing a doctrinal study, you should, you should know the topic. You should be able to defend the topic from Scripture logically, rationally, and be able to explain that and see how these things connect. And, under, and know the texts that you're citing as you walk through the study. So if you line up a string of texts that speak to a certain topic or subject in Scripture, say you're giving a doctrinal study, don't just know that those seven words. That's right know the immediate context that, that they're placed within. That's right. That's so important. Hey, because, because if you've in got, a study, mm. that comes up sometimes where someone's like, well, what does this verse mean? The verse before. And you're utterly unfamiliar with the text as a whole. Yeah. And you're sitting here in the study delivering this verse as a part of a larger topical Bible study. Yeah. And you're really unfamiliar with that particular section of scripture. That's not good. It doesn't look good. No, it doesn't look good. And it doesn't feel good for the person delivering the study because you may be using the verse appropriately. But to have to, you know, kind of think on your feet, get caught off guard like that can really Unsettle hurt you. the flow. Yeah, mm. it hurts. It, un- it unsettles you. It hurts the flow of your feelings and the mm. flow of the study. Yeah. And the second thing I would say on preparation is, is not only know your topic, know what you're going to present, um, but also know the person as much as possible. So, you mm. know, in this instance where you've met this girl on the hiking trail, you don't know her from a bar of soap. So yeah. how much can you really cater to her needs? But if you know the person even a little bit, you know where they're coming from, you know what some of their sensitivities might be. You know, for example, if I'm doing a Bible study with somebody who's coming from, you know, who's currently battling addiction um, and living in a broken relationship, etc., speak into those things in the right way at the right time as much as you can, right? Like, don't, don't approach somebody who doesn't know any spiritual jargon or Christian words and start throwing out words like justification and sanctification and glorification. Like, they don't mean anything to these people. And in fact, make it, make it more basic than that. Like, most people don't necessarily even know what sin means if they're coming from an unchurched background. Like, what is that? So, so know the person that you're talking to. 
because that helps. You can, I, I, Ravi Zacharias said this once and I found it so profound I wrote it down in my, I wrote it down in the front of my Bible in pencil where I write some things that I find helpful for Bible studies. And he said, we are not answering questions, but questioners. And I thought that was really profound because it's not just about answering the question, but there's a reason that this person cares deeply about a particular question. And often the hot topic controversial issues for a person are because they've got underlying hurt around that issue. And so when you bring it up, there's pushback. So ideally try and know your person. And doesn't that like, doesn't knowing your person help you shape the study itself? Totally. The illustrations you use, yeah. the angle you take on particular texts. Like if I'm giving a study on say, the messiahship of Jesus or the divinity of Christ, and I'm studying with a person who was in the military, maybe I'll use to emphasize my teaching or to illustrate my teaching, a story about a military general who didn't just sit back behind the ranks ordering people around, but who picked up a gun and, and led the troops right into mm. the fire of battle. And that would really evoke emotion and it would impact someone who was in the military before, mm. or a combat veteran or something. So that's a silly, that's a simple illustration, not silly, but that's a, a little illustration of how knowing a person, where they come from, might help shape how I approach a particular subject with them. And it just makes you smarter, mm. hey? It just makes mm. you better equipped. Mm. No, that's cool, man. So you were saying something before we were chatting. I don't know. I don't want to interrupt you. No, Kevin. you're right. Are you, are you banging down thoughts? No, you're like, all right. So I, I am getting, hitting a couple of thoughts that I that didn't want to forget. But. Yeah. So you were saying before we were recording that a, a person who, basically you were saying that Jesus himself Ah, uh, you know, man, we're talking about practical stuff now. I'm, I'm going to mention it anyways. So this is a little <laughs> bit of a diversion, and it would be better to speak about this before we're starting to share practical insights about giving Bible studies. But you were mentioning Jesus, mm. how he post-resurrection in Luke 24, he, he walks alongside some of his disciples. One of them's named Cleopas. The other one is not named in yep. Scripture. And he begins to chat to them about, hey, what are you guys talking about? What are you so sad about? What's going on? And then they begin to talk about Jesus, his crucifixion, and then he gives them basically a Bible study. That's right. After saying, oh, you fools and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. And then from, what does it say, starting at the Moses and then on to the Psalms and the prophets, he gives them a Bible study concerning himself. And I always thought to myself, you know, isn't this kind of crazy? You've got here... A man who was just raised from the dead. Yeah. And previous to him being crucified and buried, he walked on water. He shined like the sun on the Mount of Transfiguration. Mm. He made blind people see again. And then he chooses to <coughs> reveal himself through a Bible study. Yeah. All he had to do <laughs> was just start shining. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, you don't need to, you know, Jesus is like, oh, yeah, I want to show him, I want to show him who I who I really was. Mm. And I want him to understand me. And what does he do? Starts with Moses Starts and, then, with, and then with all the prophets. He gives the same Bible study we can give to someone. That's right. Right now. Why does he do that? Well, here's a couple of thoughts. One, we can't do the bright shining thing to prove to people that, right? We don't have yeah. that same opportunity afforded us. Yeah. I'm not a glorified human being. I'm still living in the throes of a wicked world in a sinful body. Yeah. And what do I have? I do have the word of God and the spirit of God. I have access to both of those things, right? Just like every other person who can have access to those very same things. That's a powerful point. Yeah. Because Jesus didn't need 
to do a miracle in order for these people to see the truth. To come to faith. That's and right. And in fact, he doesn't give them. What's the miracle that he gives later on? He holds out the bread. What do they see? The scars in his hands, I imagine. Mm -hmm. And then they realize, and then he disappears, right? right. The miracle comes after they believe already. Yep. Interesting enough, which just ties it together. But the second reason that I think it's super important is that when you read what Jesus is doing there, it's not just about a miracle or a fantastic experience. It's got to be grounded in how God has already revealed himself, right? If Jesus just shows up and starts doing amazing things, you're going to have some people who follow him, but then you're going to have others, if he's not, who know the scriptures, I should say, and if he's not doing things in accordance with the scriptures, then how can he be the fulfillment of the scriptures? And so he goes back through and he grounds them in their own faith, because they were Jews, as far as we know, and he grounds them in the scriptures of their own faith and says, I am the fulfillment of all of these scriptures, which gives them the ability to know this is the Messiah we have waited for. It's not just, a, you know, it's not just some supernatural strange thing going on. He's actually the fulfillment of those yep. very things because God is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow. That's such a powerful passage. I really love that story so much. It also highlights the fact that God wants our faith to rest on the evidence of His Word, not the demonstration of our senses. Yeah. And this is the fundamental difference between biblical Christianity and neo-Pentecostalism that we see in a lot of um, big mainline churches today. Mm. Um, a, lot of, a lot of Adventists over the course of the last 30 years have gone berserko about Pentecostal music like you know the use of contemporary music and they'll say things like oh the devil's in that music and those beats you know they possess your mind and they subject you to satan and all these kinds of things you're familiar with what i'm saying yeah i don't really follow that logic and i don't really see the the, the compelling nature of those arguments i don't think that there's a particular score of music that mm -hmm. if you listen to it then well the demons will enter into you and vice versa you know i think music can have a calming a, a deleterious effect or a beneficial effect for yeah. sure no doubt about it if it's played certain sounds in excess and all that stuff. But when I view major Christian movements and modern Pentecostal movements, the fault that I find with them is not the style of their music. It's the emphasis of their worship. They place their emphasis on the demonstration of your senses. So you come to God through what your senses can demonstrate before your face. And that's why they're so intent on creating a certain kind of atmosphere because you're absorbing God through that atmosphere. And essentially what people don't understand about that is that's medieval Catholicism and that's ancient paganism. Mm. It's you create a shrine in a physical place that makes you feel like you're in God's presence. Now, that's not necessarily wrong, but if that's the basis of your faith, you're, you're on trouble. rocky ground. You're on yeah. rocky ground because your senses should never become the grounds upon which you believe. Mm. No, the evidence in God's Word, because when the evidence of God's Word comes into conflict with the demonstration of your senses, what are you going to choose? That's right. And so our faith, Ellen White says this in Steps to Christ, should be based upon evidence, not demonstration. Because the demonstrations of your senses can change and trick you and whatever. Mm. And so that's, that was a little bit of a mini-sermon there. Does that make <laughs> sense to you? Yeah, yeah, totally. It's a powerful thought, I think. Totally. Be, like, the Word of God needs to be the solid foundation upon which we build other things. Yeah. And our experience can lie to us. I can have, you know, if I'm if I'm on if I'm tripping on LSD, I I will have a spiritual experience. Totally. Anybody that you talk to who's done acid or any other psychedelic drugs, they will tell you it was a spiritual journey. The ancient Native Americans used to use peyote for the same purpose, mm -hmm. right? Like 
You and I can do ecstasy and we'll feel like we love everyone in this neighborhood even when we don't. That's right. Because your senses are making you think you have an experience that you don't have. That's right. And it's not to say that our senses don't count or that no, God doesn't work through that yeah. demonstration. However, it should not alone be the grounds for our faith. Because in a way, you're, you're inadvertently making <clears throat> your perceptive ability God. Yeah. And if, and if your relationship with God is dependent upon what you perceive, what you feel, what you think, you're finished. Yeah. Because as soon as those circumstances change and you no longer feel or think or perceive, then I guess God's not there. So to have a rock-solid, unmovable relationship with God, you must have it based on the evidence of His Word. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, it's funny because this conversation where it's led is now bringing my mind to this idea of when you're giving Bible studies, and you can, I'd love for you to comment a bit on this too if you, have, if you want. You don't have to, but like when I give Bible studies, I've always made it a rule to do whatever I can to bring people along the, in the journey with me. That is to say, I want them thinking while we're studying fully i don't want them just shaking their head in kind of bovine acceptance of what i'm kind of saying you know mm. hey and just i don't want to just be this dispenser of information and get them to kind of capitulate to me or whatever i want to like sprinkle my studies with questions and and yeah. and, and draw out of them their thoughts and their understandings and then ask questions and let them look at texts and consider because i'm not trying to make robot a robot mm. and just kind of like oh thank you for programming me matt i'll go to the church on sabbath and now i will pay tithe and i will you know no this is a human being yeah yeah and they need to be as a human being of their own free will making choices based on information that they're processing so my bible study with a person i think if it's done right is going to help them to see on their own what god says and i, I think that yeah, that's done best with really well thought out questions that are prepared ahead of time. Yeah, and I think that that's a great point because questions is probably not what the average person is best at. It's not my strength. I'm not, I wouldn't make a great interviewer. I can yeah. be interviewed. <laughs> yeah. I can answer questions. Yeah, That's natural, right? And one thing that can be super helpful is, like you said, to actually prepare questions beforehand and to write them down. And so when I go into a Bible study, what I will often do, even now, is I will, I will have notes with me, and we're hopefully we're going to actually give you some examples that yeah, we, we can send out in this thing. Yeah. In this email, guys, there'll be a little uh, document attached in the email that is, has notes yeah, on how to give so, a study. That so hopefully that can say things that we might not even cover here, um, and you can see it in a visual format. But when I go through a Bible study, I like to go with a question before I even ask the verse, ideally. Mm -hmm. You know, so if whether that be a doctrinal study and I'm going from one thread of thought to another thread of thought, I like to ask the question before we get there because then you go into the text looking for something. If I don't do that, what I'll do is I'll read and then I'll ask the question. But, but questions are great. In fact, I recommend that when you start your study off, the first thing you should do is obviously pray with them and you should chat with them beforehand. But, yeah. but once you start the study, you've prayed, I start with a question. Mm -hmm ideally and ask them what they already know or think about the topic we're about to study if it's do if it's a doctrinal study for example yep. or if there's say a moral lesson that we're going to be looking at from a story say we're looking at the call of abram and abram's called to step out in faith i might ask a question about have you ever been called or felt called to go and do something 
that seemed a little bit out of the ordinary. What was that like? Have, has God ever asked you to do something mm -hmm. before? Have you had that experience? Because what you're doing is you're getting them to, first of all, engage with the topic and to think, to put yeah. themselves into the, into the position of readiness to, to learn and to be in the mind frame of, oh, that's what we're talking about. The second thing is that when you ask somebody for that, that information, for example, if we're gonna study what happens when you die, I might ask the question, hey, what do you think happens when you die? Yeah. Now that might seem so obvious to some people, but to other people, this is like a lightning bolt moment, right? Well, it's something that many people have never even thought of. That's right. So when you ask somebody that, you don't know what's gonna come out. And I'll guarantee you that sometimes you'll ask someone this question, you think you know their answer, and then all of a sudden, whoa, right here they've just told you that they believe that their grandfather has visited them at their bed, and they did that for six months, and it <clears throat> comforted them, and you're like, okay, that's helpful to know before we get started, because I now know that I have, like we were just talking about a moment before, mm -hmm. I now know that how important it is to set a groundwork and do a framework as we build on this idea that as we go through scripture, where we will discover that it was certainly not someone's dead grandfather that was visiting them at their bed, but something else. We need to lay that groundwork strongly and firmly in the foundation of scripture so that they can see and understand and believe all the way through, because when we get to that, that's a sensory experience mm -hmm. that is hard to deny, right? And for them to come to the position where they take something that they believed was comforting and to understand it for what it really is, a deception, yeah. and then to move past that and to accept what God says, even though it's in conflict with something that they would like to continue to believe, mm -hmm. and then to move on from that, is a big appeal for that person. Right. You might talk to somebody and they tell you everything that you already know is the truth from Scripture about the subject, and then you can kind of go, well, I guess we don't really necessarily, one, maybe we don't even need to worry about this topic too much, or two, let's base this in Scripture and let's go see what the Bible says and see that we're right. Yeah, affirmation right? and also a different perspective. You know, it seems like I could gather from what you've just said a lot, but one thing in particular is that good Bible studies are the best Bible studies come from people who are listening. Boom. Oh, that's a great point. Like you're, you're listening to the... You're actually asking questions because you want to learn and you want to know about the person and you want to understand the person because how can you understand how to deliver information to a person that you're not really listening to? Mm. And I think sometimes when we approach the Bible, giving Bible studies topic or the idea of giving Bible... Sometimes when we approach the subject of giving Bible studies, we do it with the mindset that people are just like rocks or machines or mm. you know chalkboards that you just write whatever you want on. But this is a human being. Who's had real experiences. Real experiences. They've got a mind, feelings, emotions. And it's important to ask questions and you get so much information from people that's helpful to you. And then you know, you're going through a study. By the way, I wanted to just throw this out so I don't forget to say this, that if you're considered, if you've never given a Bible study before or if you're new at giving Bible studies or... Even if you've been giving Bible studies for a long time, I think it's really good to use resources. Totally. I, when I first gave my life to Christ, had this idea that I would never use a Bible study guide when I was giving a Bible study mm. because I wanted to be, quote, original. You see, we older guys from that, you know, Gen X, Generation yeah, yeah. X, it was really the thing in our generation to just be original. Yeah. So you had to be you, man. You had to be authentic. You could not ever follow the path of anyone else. 
which is obviously impossible because yeah, yeah. there's no new thing under the sun. That's right. So, so keep trying, right? Hey, hey, on a second. You just quoted the Bible when you said that. That's right. That wasn't original either. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, no. That's right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, to be original means you have to basically, you know, be divine. Yeah, that's uh, exactly right. In a strictest sense. But, okay, so I had this negative impression of giving Bible studies out of Bible study guides because I'd seen Jehovah's Witnesses do it when I was a kid, and I really didn't feel that this was information that they believed, but that rather they were just passing along Mm. information that their church had yeah. given them to give along. So they seem more like robots than humans to me, and it was very unimpressive. And so as a Christ-following convert, I thought, you got to be original. And so I just despised the idea of taking a Bible study guide yeah. to people's houses. And that was okay for me because I'm such a stubborn hardhead that I just like worked it out, right? Like yeah, just yeah. sit down for six hours and prepare your study when it could have just taken you... 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour. An hour, you know? <laughs> a good hour of prayer... Thoroughly reviewing that study, yeah. modifying the study to meet the needs of that particular individual, right. and go, go on. But instead, I had to reinvent the wheel because you know I got to be original. Yeah. So I really encourage people: don't be a, you know don't reinvent the wheel. There's lots of great Bible studies out there, and there are only so many verses in the Bible on uh, every each subject. Topic. Yeah, that's right. And so they're going to all have been utilized before. And when you're getting started giving Bible studies, the best thing to do is just to go to someone's house that has agreed to study the Bible with you. As you said, have small talk. You know, get that out of the way, sit down, have a nice prayer together, and you know, begin the Bible study. And it's great if you have a guide, just a yeah. nice little study guide. You give one to them, you have one, you start walking them through the study. And great things can happen that way. And I, oh, I think true. everyone needs to adjust their expectations in such a way to realize that God can do great things through a simple uh, inductive Bible study that two people do that's in, an, in a study guide format. Yeah, and, and by inductive you mean question and that's answer. That's right, question and answer, question and answer, question and answer. So there's a question given that induces an answer, or you know that calls for an answer, and that answer is given in the text that's referred to in that particular question. And um, I think that's the best format for giving Bible studies. And the person who's doing that, who's going through that process of delivering a study in that format, they can deviate. Oh, for sure. They can tell stories. They can give illustrations. They can shorten those studies, modify those studies to yeah. their heart's content. All the time. But um, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there so I didn't forget. No, no, I'm glad you Bible said that because I was going to say it earlier and I and we got onto another question and I forgot about it. But I think that, yeah, I had that written in my notes. Use resources. Yeah. There are there are Bible study guides that you can find. I mean, first, make sure that they're, they're biblically accurate Bible studies. There's lots of Bible studies put out by lots of different people. Yeah. Uh, make sure that it actually is teaching the truth of Scripture and not you know, teaching about strange things like secret raptures or something, you know. Yeah. Um, but not just Bible study guides, but you can also utilize things like there's great resources where you can find a short video or pictures that will help you to, you know, illustrate something. Um, you know, for example, if I did a Bible study on a prophecy from Daniel, like Daniel 2, there, you can go on YouTube and find little videos of the statue in Daniel 2 and what it was made of and how mm -hmm. a rock comes takes 30 seconds to show the video, but guess what? For a person who's not very literate, that's that makes sense. Right and that reality, will be captured yeah. in their mind. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, all the stuff that you read that they were scratching their head out going, I don't, know, I don't have a picture, boom. Mm -hmm. Now they do. And that can make such a difference. Um, totally. Did charts. You know? like There's all sorts of resources that you can use that are super helpful, depending yeah. on your topic of what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. um, the questions thing. Have you ever, Robbie, been <clears throat> giving someone a Bible study and ask them a question, and they don't answer you? Yes. What do you do? Usually I wait. <laughs> Just stare at them. I do. I'm like, 
and here's the thing. It's like a, a, a game of a chicken, stare chicken. I'll, I'll put this out there. I think this is really you important. You stare at them, they stare at you. <laughs> until like, they realize you're not going to answer your own question. I think it's really important, actually, because... Yeah lots of people have learned through the school system and many other things that if, I, if I'm if i asked a question and I don't want to answer or I don't know the answer, if I wait long enough, the other person will get awkward and they'll move on and I won't have to do any work. Yeah. Which means that you're one, not interacting very well with what you're learning and two, probably not learning um, and, or making a decision based upon it, which is what is really, is, is really what counts. Mm. Um, and most of the time when you ask a question, Especially if you've prepared for the study, you know what you're asking, you know what the answer is, you've prepared, you ask the question, you're ready for the answer. But guess what? The person who's never heard this before, who's reading it from the text, now has to stop, process what you've just asked, yes. figure out what that means, then look at the text they've just read, which if they're not new, like familiar with the Bible at all, is a new process in itself. That's right. And then they have to think about it, do critical analysis of what they're reading, Yep. And then formulate an answer and then tell it to you. Yep. And when you look at them and you think, oh, oh no, it's going too long. It's so awkward. It's really been three seconds. It's a couple seconds. That's and right. you're like panicking and sweating. If and the other person the has just right thought away, yeah. in their mind, they've just repeated what you've said to themselves and they're just now understanding what you've asked. And now they're starting to look at the text to try and find the answer. Yeah. This happens more often than we think. Um, so I think that there's a lot of validity, especially when you're new. And this, this happens in small groups, this happens in Sabbath schools, this happens in all sorts of things where the person asks a question, looks around, panics, no one's had time enough to even think about what they've been asked, and then the answer is given to them, so they just move on. And it's conditioning them to not, to not answer. answer your questions next time. And to never think. So the facilitator of a Bible study, whether it be group or individual, needs to slow down. Yeah. In that study context, slow down. Ask questions and expect that people are going to take a few minutes before they answer. A few seconds. Let them process. Let, the, let, let, let them sit in silence and just be chill. That's right. And don't be so, such a freak out. And you don't so, always have to be talking. Yeah. People it, will often say when they don't understand. This happens all the time in my Bible studies. Uh, I don't really know. What does that mean? And then instead of just answering the question, what I try to do is rephrase the question in mm -hmm. another way so that they do understand yeah. what I'm asking. I'll give you an example of this. Let's look at this is a biblical example. All so, right. Robbie, could you please read John 3:17 for me? All do right. you know what that verse says? I should. We don't have our Bibles open by the way, so he can just say it's, it. It's uh, for, for, for for God did not send his world, son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Okay. So, according to that verse, Robbie, why did God send his son into the world? God sent his son into the world to save the world through Jesus. That's it. I had to think about that because I was going to say to not condemn them, but that didn't really answer the question. Yeah. And so Robbie, so Robbie, according to that text, why did God not send his son into the world? Not to condemn. Okay, that's right. But now let's say hypothetically you didn't get that right. You just like looked at me. Yeah. Right? You're just like, uh, I don't know. So, okay, so Robbie, read that verse again and then I'll, I'd like, let you read it. Say, yeah. For God did not, not send, send his, his son. son. Okay, stop, Robbie. Okay, God did not send his son to what? What does it say right there? To condemn. Okay. So, so God did not send his son to condemn. That's right. That's right. And so then what, you keep reading. But what did he send his son to do? Yeah. So to, and, and the truth is, lots of people that you encounter, people that 
are very well articulated, intelligent people. They just aren't very familiar with doing this. Mo lots of people don't read. Mm -hmm. Like, and the people sometimes that do don't read what they're reading. That's right. <laughs> it's kind of just peruse, that's right. Peruse through stuff, and, and that critical really... thinking is not mm -hmm. often practiced in the same way that it may have been more broadly practiced in the past. Because we don't. It's just our culture's changed. It's not a primary medium any longer. That's but right. In an interesting way, I think it's really good because it develops your head. Oh, totally. In a unique and, and really beneficial way. <clears throat> so, um, man, do you have any any close? I don't want to keep. Ever, I, I really want to keep talking to you forever. But, um, I feel very nice about that. But uh, not well, there's forever because your wife just showed up. <laughs> your wife's going to kick me out of your house here soon. But um, any kind of closing thoughts, appeals? What about? Uh, there's, dude. There's. We should do a part two on this. There's so much yeah, more to say. We totally do. But, Whoa, let's do that. Let's do that. But what I, because I've we're actually gonna do, we're like, going to do how to give a Bible study part two, and we'll do it, make it more practical aspect maybe. Well, yeah, like. I think we've been semi-practical. We won't ever be perfectly practical. That's this true. This is just an unguided conversation. That's right. But man, I think, what are some of the practical things that we just talked about today? Practical how-to helps and hints. Okay. Mostly what we've talked about, I think, is preparation. And in terms of personal preparation to give a Bible study, number one, pray for the other person and for yourself and for God to lead the Bible study. That's practical. Number two, study the Bible for yourself every day anyway so that God has the opportunity, the Holy Spirit can bring to your mind things that you didn't know were relevant to the conversation that yep. will be. Number three, know your topic. Actually prepare for the specific topic. Know your topic. Do your work. Do your work. Do your work ahead of time. You will appreciate it later. Even if, even if all the work you do in preparation is not necessary, you're a better person because of it and you're mm. more prepared for the future. Anyways. That's right. Oh. So know your topic. Try and know your person as much as you can. And don't be afraid to use resources. Like, yeah, we also, that's right, that's good. Can that's I add just, to that? preparation. Can yeah. I add to that? Yeah. We also addressed the fact you did, you did that when you get to a Bible study contact's house or a friend's house that you're studying the Bible with, do your small talking first. That's right. You don't want to small talk if you don't have to after the study. The best thing to do is have your social time, have the Bible study, and then leave the person with that information. Yeah. And that's really, really important. Further to this, we didn't talk about this, but that would be make sure the study's not too long. Mm. 30 minutes. Yeah. We'll talk about maybe time frames and sizes and verses and all that stuff next time because yeah. that's come through my mind several on several occasions. But we talked about get the small talk out of the way at the beginning. We also talked about bringing people along on the journey, that you're traveling together through this journey of discovery and you've got to slow down the pace enough to let the person really process information. And just because you don't want to nervously rush through the subject matter, rush through the content, and then they're just sitting there shaking their head with you trying to be polite, and you're not giving them time to really answer any questions and engage with the information from the Bible. So you're really not doing any good. You're not giving a Bible study. You're just nervously spouting off information. Yeah. Which we've all done. We, we, oh, I've done it. I did it for years. Don't, don't let that stress <laughs> you out. It. I still do it. Don't like, let that stress you out. Let, totally. that, let that be an impetus for you to grow in how you do this. Slow, calm, dispensing questions. And don't be afraid of silence. Silence is not the enemy. Silence is your friend. He is your the friend. Holy Spirit works in the silence. Yeah. Be so, still and know that I am God. Totally. I've heard a guy, I heard a guy say, his name is Kilo Gabran. He says, you, we speak when we cease to be at peace with our thoughts. Mm. And so you get nervous because you're like, oh, I better speak. Um, 
So we, we do, those are some practical things. I think we probably said one or two other things that were practical mm. and specific. Um, we talked also a lot about the importance of study. Anyways, guys, thank you for joining us, Robbie. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. It's good to chat. I, I've been blessed by the yeah, things same. we've talked about. I hope that you guys have been blessed as well. Uh, just to let everyone know, you can uh, download, uh, if you don't have it on your, on your smartphone or your device, you can download Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and you can find us there. And you can subscribe to our podcast uh, and get reminders on your phone or your device on regular basis. Um, and if you know anyone that you think would be benefited and blessed by our All Things Evangelism podcast, please, uh, yeah, forward them uh, our emails. We'd love to contact them and share with more and more of our members practical, uh, inspirational tips mm. on how to, uh, to be better witnesses and be ready for uh, Jesus' return. Thanks again, guys. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.